It says in Hebrews that you should be on, on solid food, that you should be, be eating and, and taking in the word of God, but you're like babes. It's like we need to give you milk because you're like babies in your faith, and you should be beyond that. And so the writer, in very challenging terms, is calling them to accountability. So we, that's what we know about the church. And there seems to be this, this misunderstanding. Their, their Christology, if you will, is, is, a little, is a little bit off. And we see that because the writer talks about that Jesus is, is greater than the prophets and greater than the angels. And we see angels mentioned several times. And it, it appears as if maybe they started to give angels recognition above Christ. So he's, he's calling them back. It's all about Christ. It's all about Christ. And certainly the prophets were of God. Certainly angels are messengers of God. But Christ is above all of them. And though for a little while he was below the angels, now he sits at the right hand of God the Father. And they started to lose sight of that. And as the challenges came and as temptations came again, not necessarily for their life, it appears, but just societal pressures. They were just starting to be viewed as outcasts. They were starting to be viewed as really foolish people. In part because they thought Christ would return right away, but here they are waiting several decades and Christ still hasn't returned. So their their faith is shaken and they don't understand why has Christ not returned? Why is the community dismissing us? Why are people making fun of us? And so they're starting to turn from their faith. I guess if we were to use a current day example, we could talk about how maybe when you uh, enter into Christian community and, and you live in the dorms and, and you see that maybe even here at a Christian college, your, your faith is tested to some degree. Not to extreme persecution where your life is in danger. I hope that's not taking place. But now you're living on your own in community. And will you still be faithful to this God that Maybe you've proclaimed your whole life in your home and in your church. For it seems that the church that this was written to, they started a compromise in that area. So allow me to read Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25. Will you please stand for the reading of the word this morning? Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, your word has been spoken. Lead us and guide us. Thank you that we've glorified your name through recognizing members of our community, through singing your songs, through offering of prayers. And now as we hear from your words, speak, Lord, for your, servant is, your servants are listening. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So we need to walk through these first two verses and just give a little bit of background. In fact, much of the book of Hebrews has already addressed what, what the writer is saying in these two verses. But uh, I'll just try to summarize it in three minutes. Uh, Therefore, brothers and sisters, so for those of you who have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are now part of the family of God. 
and others who are part of the family of God, they are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, that may be a new term for some of you. It's, I grew up on Long Island, and everyone calls each other bro. Bro, bro, what are you doing? Bro. It's not that type of bro. So if you hear me say that, that's probably more Long Island. But we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So if that's a new term for you, that's what, that's what it means when we read of brothers and sisters in the New Testament. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. Now, what is the most holy place? The most holy place, when we look to the Old Testament scriptures, is the place where God was. The most holy and sacred place. And not everyone had access to the most holy place. Not everyone could enter, could go behind the veil to, to be in the presence of God. Instead, there was a high priest. Only a priest could go behind the veil after much preparation to offer repentance for the sins of the people of God. So only certain people had access to God. Only certain people had access to that most holy place. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, well, why do we now have access to enter the most holy place? How? Well, by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. Christ's death on the cross is what allows us, and and God raising Christ from the grave, that is what now gives us access to God. It's a little interesting, and, and people disagree on what exactly was meant by the reader, but I think we can get at least gain the truth for, uh, by it. By a new and living way, by the blood of Jesus, a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. Through the curtain that is his body. There's a lot of different opinions on that, and my opinion is probably right, but I won't share it because I don't want to make other people look wrong. But what we do know... What we do know is that now we have access to go through the veil that has been torn once God raised Christ from the dead and we can now enter into the most holy place because God, because God offered a sacrifice which was His Son. And His Son, the sacrifice for us all, we can all be forgiven. We can all be made right with God. We can all enter the most holy place because of what Jesus did by shedding His blood on the cross for us. It is a new and living way open for us all. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, so now Jesus is the high priest. Because of Jesus dying on the cross and God raising him from the grave, we now have a new high priest. And because of Jesus, we have access to God through his son, Jesus Christ. Again, these two verses are very, very rich with meaning and and Old Testament scripture and passages. And And I now know that All of you, after that little exegetical piece I just did, will want to take Hebrew class with Dr. Malice and dig in a little deeper uh, as you get to understand the Hebrew. Wow, the jokes are just crashing today. I thought that was pretty funny. I thought that was... uh, I was trying to build Dr. Malice's class up a little bit and improve enrollment, but not going well. All right, well, let us continue. So that is what's happening. He gives all this example that we have access to God now through what Christ has done on the cross. And now the writer, now the writer says, well, what does this mean on how we should live? The book is rich in theology and biblical understanding. And now we have these verses that offer some practical way of living. So what does it mean for us? Not only to the church to which the letter is written, but what does it mean for us today who claim to be followers of Christ, who are part of the family of God? Verse 22, it says, Let us, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Let us draw near to God. And that is what the people of God are called to do. We are called to worship Him. We are called to worship Him. 
Since God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, has made a way so all of us can be at the most holy place, all of us must worship God, and not just during chapel, and not just during church on Sunday, but every moment of the day, every day of our lives, is an act of worship. Dr. Worcester articulated a well in Wednesday's chapel that even in the classroom and your studies, that is an act of worship. On the fields, when you play sports, that is an act of worship. Music, art, the English department, education department, all of you are worshipers. And so now we are called by God. Let us draw near to God as an act of worship. So my question for you this morning, are you living a life of worship to God? It goes on to say that our hearts have been sprinkled, hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. That once we receive and accept Christ's grace, mercy, and love in our lives, we can be forgiven and no longer have to have a guilty conscience for our past sins, our past wrongs. And we can have our bodies washed with pure water. Ah, yes, you can be forgiven. You can be forgiven. You can begin anew. You can be washed pure by holy and pure water. Have you accepted Christ as your Savior and done just that? Have you allowed yourself to enter the most holy place and say, Lord God, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a new heart and a new life? what the writer to the Hebrews is calling them back to. So maybe if you have not done that yet, you'll have an opportunity here at the close of the service as we go to the Lord's table. But maybe some of you are like the people that he's writing to. Maybe at one time you lived in such a way. Maybe at one time your life was an act of worship in every aspect because now we can enter the most holy place in the presence of God. And God is always with us through his son, Jesus Christ, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. But have you maybe started to water down your faith? Have you started to perhaps drift away? Allow the writer today to the Hebrews community to call you back, to recommit. And again, you too can do so as we go to the Lord's table this morning. So let us draw near to God with sincere heart and let us hold unswervingly. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. God is faithful. So my question is, in whom or what do you place your hope? In whom or in what do you place your hope? I mean, think about it for a minute. My hope is in what? Money, relationships, education. None of those things are bad in and of themselves, but our ultimate hope must always be in Christ Jesus. And, and the community that this letter is written to, it seems to, that they're putting their hope in other things. And they're educated they're educated. They, many of them are educated. They've, they've been in the faith for many years, and yet they're still drifting to put their hope in other things or other people or other places. For me, it was relationships. For me, it was relationships. And I, was one, I know no one here is like this, but I was always one that needed to be in some form of dating relationship. Yeah, like I'm the only one. All right, let's just be honest. And, uh, you know, if when, when some uh, misguided young lady, uh, misinformed, misguided, obviously fallen from grace, broke up with me, and obviously wasn't in the right state of mind when that happened. <laughs> I just started dating someone else. I didn't hear that. I, I don't know it was an amen. I hope not. But uh, <laughs> the joke was that, you know, guys don't mourn, they just replace 
But, you know, when we end relationships, there is a mourning that takes place. Thank you for that word of encouragement over here, too. That's good. <laughs> my senior year was my best year. I enjoyed my time at ENC, my senior year, more than, other, than any other time because between my junior and senior year, I decided that Christ must be first, and I wasn't in any relationship except my relationship with Christ. And so I learned that my hope must always be in Christ Jesus. And I needed to go through that period. I needed to go through that season for the Lord was preparing me to to meet someone else later down the road. And, and maybe the Lord, who knows, maybe the Lord has called you into a relationship and into a marriage. Who knows? Or maybe the Lord's called you into an even higher relationship, a relationship more important if we go by the Scriptures, a relationship almost more holy and sacred than marriage, but a relationship just with Jesus and a relationship to Jesus where you remain single here on earth. That is a high and holy calling as well. And so I needed to learn that. So where have you placed your hope? The writer is writing this community and says, hold unswervingly to our hope in Christ. Hold unswervingly. Don't give up. In part, it is your own effort and your own decisions, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, God can give you the strength and the peace to say, God is enough for me. I don't need another relationship. So put your hope in Christ. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So have you noticed the three, let us? Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We are to be a community. And I, I, you demonstrated already, you were my sermon illustration. That as we recognize facilities and grounds and encourage them, we are to encourage one another toward love and good deeds. Ah, but the writer to this community is concerned. Very, very concerned. And he challenges them and pushes them. And sometimes that is what we're called to do. That maybe we're not doing all that we should. Maybe we're not doing all that we can. There was a book I started reading this week. And it's one of those where I'm just taking it in and just, just reading it as fast as I can. And it's called Overrated. And it's by Eugene Cho. And uh, he is issuing a challenge to all of us. He talks about this generation. He talks about this generation and how perhaps, though we get recognition for being one of the generations that cares more than anyone, that wants to serve, that wants to get involved in global issues, perhaps we are overrated. So I'll let uh, Reverend Cho discuss his book here. We have a small video clip to hear from him. confession to make. It's painful and difficult, but it's my honest confession. As someone known as an agent of change, over the years I've actually been more in love with the idea of changing the world than actually changing the world. I've sought to change the world and not even been open to the possibility that I myself need to be changed in the process. Perhaps this is a confession that you can also share. In our world today, we have access to so much, so many opportunities, resources, and ideas. We engage social media, we Facebook, we tweet, we Pinterest, we filter things. We're given praises like world changers and history makers that were the greatest generation that we can change the world, and yet we end up doing 
doing so little. I wonder if it's possible that we may actually be the most overrated generation in the history of the world. Our generation given so much and yet we do so little. We all love justice, or to be more accurate, we all love justice until there's a cost to us. But we need to know there's always a cost to justice. There's a cost to discipleship. There's a cost to following Jesus. The good news is that God is not yet done with you. God is not yet done with me. God is not yet done with us. So let's go. Let's participate in what God is already doing in the larger world. And in this process, be open to the reality that we ourselves need to be changed. Let's not just fall in love with the idea of changing the world. So let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And the challenge that Pastor Cho has issued, not only by this little video clip, but by his book as well, Overrated. If you want to do that as a group, I'd be happy to be part of that group discussion. Let us continue to act and not just talk about it. See, that's what the group at Hebrews started to do. They, They were talking about being the people of God, but the writer is saying, you are not living it. My confession is that for the first six years I was chaplain here, I would, of course, talk about justice. I'm very passionate about it. It would be true and real and honest, but did very little. And I want to just give God praise and thanks that last month or last semester when a group of guys said, hey, can we start meeting together? By the grace of God, I thought, well, maybe we should serve together. And I wish it was because I was spiritually mature and new, but I thought, well, I haven't done any service, so I should probably show them I serve. So on Wednesday nights, we started serving meals to the homeless. And I was humbled and reminded that this is the way that God has called us to live. And it has revived and renewed my faith. And so we as a community must call and challenge you to do the same. Not just, it doesn't have to be Long Island. Wherever God is calling you, we must, we must be a part of it. And we must spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Encouraging one another. And then he says, and why I think it was appropriate to show the video, do not give up meeting together. Do not give up meeting together. Your your hope is in Christ. Your your faith, draw near to God, is an act of worship. Remember that your hope is in Christ and encourage one another on toward love and good deeds as you practice them. And do not give up meeting together. Do not stop going to church, if you will. For God wants to advance his kingdom through you and through me, but God only does that through the body of Christ. Now, you can do some good things and not be a part of the church, but you cannot advance God's kingdom through the power of the Holy Spirit unless you are part of the body of Christ. So do not give up meeting together. Encouraging one another until the day approaches, and the day they are talking about is when Christ will return. So live faithfully. Live faithfully in these days. So again, let us, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 
And maybe you've already noticed it in the text. The writer is calling the community then and calling our community to be a community of faith, hope, and love. So let us be just that. Looking out and caring for one another, making sure that our hope is always in Christ Jesus and spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. One of the ways that we do that One of the ways we remember who we are is we regularly remember what Christ has done for us. We remember what Christ has done for us by going to the cross and dying for our sins. And so here at ENC, and I'm sure in your churches, we go to the Lord's table and do this in remembrance of Him so we don't forget the grace and mercy of God. And you do not need to be a member of the Church of the Nazarene. You can. Everyone is welcome at the table this morning. And many faculty members are going to come in a moment and they're going to serve you, as well as some of your uh, fellow students. And as the tray is passed, just take a little cup. There'll be a little cup and a little waiver. Just take it as it's passed. You might want to turn and let someone take theirs and then figure it out. Don't, Don't drop the trays. But as you get the cup and the wafer, just hold on to that so we can partake together. And here's the thing. Something unique that we sometimes forget. Wesley believed, which is in the heritage of what the Church of the Nazarene comes from, that by going to the table, that by taking the elements, by partaking together, that that in itself can be a means of grace. What that means and what we believe is that by taking these elements, that can be your moment to say, yes, Lord, I will serve and follow you all the days of my life. Yes, I will enter the most holy place, the whole most holy place, cleanse me and wash me with pure water. It can be your moment. And for those who may be like the people here that this letter was written to, maybe you've started to drift. Maybe your faith has been watered down. Let this be a moment of recommitment. And for those who are in neither of those places, we still go to the table to remember and celebrate all that Christ has done for us. To do this, there will be a responsive reading. And as we read together, and you'll see it up on screen here momentarily, and as we read together, just hear of all who's invited, because everyone in this room is invited to this table. Everyone. And by partaking, you're not joining the Church of the Nazarene, or the Baptist, or Methodist, or the Catholic. None of that. It's just between you and the Lord. So you please stand for this responsive reading before we go to the Lord's table. I will read the section in bold, and then you can read uh, what follows. And listen, you're going to preach a powerful message here, so listen to the message that you're about to proclaim. Who is invited to the Lord's table? Why do we give thanks at this table? Why do we eat and drink at this table? We eat because on the night before Jesus died, he 
What do we remember at this table? Let us pray. God of grace, thank you for this bread and wine and for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. God of hope, fill us with your spirit today that we might have the wisdom to understand the mystery of this table and the depth and height and breadth and length of your love for us. Through this meal, strengthen us to be followers of Jesus, a community of peace in a broken world. Amen. You may be seated. Will our servers please come? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may we remember and never forget. May our faith, our hope, and our love always be centered in you. And for those in our community this morning that did not feel like they could partake, whether because of their own Christian tradition and beliefs, may they also recognize they are still part of the family of God, still part of this community. So I just pray a prayer of blessing over them this morning. Thank you that you have brought us together to be a community. And as we began last year, Lord, we will still continue. We will close each chapel, or at least many of them, in a song of praise by singing together. Go in peace to love God and serve others. Have a great weekend.